career chinwags for the 21st century. I'm taking a break from my regular podcasts and starting a series called Short, Sharp and Shiny. And in each of these podcasts, I'm going to talk about a tip, something I've noticed or something I've learned. I'm going to tell you a short war story and I'm going to finish with analyzing and building on a famous career quote. And all of this is meant to help you better manage your careers, of course. Let's start with a tip. This tip states, the first step after getting laid off is to mourn the loss and then move on. Obviously, this is easier said than done. When I got made redundant many years ago, I was furious. Luckily for me, I had already wanted to leave my organisation, so I switched from rage to enthusiasm, and I couldn't wait to start my new life. Three months later, I slipped into scepticism. Who are you, Catherine, to think that you're going to be a successful consultant? And I had one of my few sleepless nights in my life. Luckily for me, I have a very wise friend, and when I talked to her about it the next day, she said, yes, there's plenty of people out there who'd be a better consultant than you. But guess what? You're out there, and they're not. And I think that just seemed to snap me out of it. I got on with things, and here am I 20 years later, still loving what I do. Now, when it comes to feelings about losing a job, many people use Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's grief cycle. I think the basic message is you will go through a whole series of nasty emotions a lot of the time. And all you can do, I think, is seek support from people around you who you know will help you, as I did. One of the things that helps when you've lost a job to help you feel better about it is to accept that your new job is to look for a job. When I worked in Singapore for a large international outplacement company, The manager of the Singapore office had the fastest throughput time of any manager in the world. And what I mean by that is when somebody started with him, a participant who started with him who had lost his or her job, they took 11.5 weeks to find their next job. So in other words, less than three months. And analysing it as an outsider, I put it down to a few things. Firstly, these expat executives were used to working 50 hours a week. So he would say to them, How many hours do you work in your job? And they'd say 50 hours a week. And he'd say, well, guess what? You're going to be doing 50 hours job search. And don't bother to come and see me at our next session if you haven't done 50 hours job search. Now, that obviously sounds very harsh. He was a very big, intimidating man, a former scientist, very persuasive. But I think, again, as an outsider, I think they put up with it because they knew he cared Now, I have never suggested anybody works 50 hours a week at job search. I tend to recommend 30 hours a week. Job search wears off. Any enthusiasm you had about it wears off quite quickly. So my recommendation is to do four days a week of nine to five and then take a day off. Just totally do something else on that day. But accept the fact that it is your job. And the more varied and strategic your activities are in those 30 hours, the faster it is you're going to find a very good job. The next thing I want to talk about is one of my war stories. A couple of years ago, I worked with a young woman who needed a job pretty well immediately. 
this was private work. She'd already been looking. And so by the time she came to me, she'd already started her job search. And I happened to just look at what was out there. And I said, oh, there's a few jobs out there. That's great. I went through three of them with her. The first one she dismissed because the key activities of the role were ones she absolutely disliked. The second role was one that was perfect for her in a situation. It was part-time. It was in a statutory authority, which tends to be much more flexible when it comes to work-life balance, but she didn't apply for it. And when I asked her why, she said, well, I talked to somebody and they said it's not a very nice place to work. And the third job that she didn't apply for was one where there were three key areas of the job and one of those areas, she didn't hate it, but she didn't enjoy those tasks very much. Let me describe what my take on this was. Obviously, do not do a job where you dislike almost everything about the job. The second one, when she talked about the fact that somebody said it wasn't a very nice place to work, I think it's dangerous to listen to just one person. These days, there are lots of ways of doing your due diligence about a job. Using LinkedIn, you may find you know somebody who knows somebody there and you can do some digging around. And of course, there are more and more websites. So Glassdoor is used for some of the big corporates. But these days in Australia, even Seek will have employee reviews about an organisation. And in relation to the third job, to me, it didn't make sense not to go and talk to this organisation. They were a very large organisation. And my take was, go and listen to what they've got to say. In the interview, you may find they're so thrilled about your high-level skills in areas one and two that they reshape the job. They do this analysis in their own head. Well, John's always said that he likes to do that sort of work. We could give that part of the job to John. And the other bit John doesn't like doing, we could give that to this person. So you may actually find that when you get the job offer, it actually doesn't contain the portion of the work that you didn't like. But let's say that's the job. The other alternative for somebody who's in a desperate situation, when it's a large organisation, is to contemplate taking the job, doing those tasks very, very well, and over time, over six months, eight months, nine months, reshaping the job and manoeuvring such that you do end up doing the work you like. One of the things that stopped Jane is that she had thought that if somebody offered her a job, she had to take it. So she hadn't wanted to go to an interview in situations two or three and be offered the job and then turn it down. And I said to her, well, an employer may interview four or five people. They don't feel any obligation to give that job to all four or five people. In fact, they can't. So if the employer has no obligation to give you the job, why do you have an obligation to accept the job? You have just as much power in this equation as the employer does. And this, to her, was like a thunderbolt from heaven. She'd never, ever thought about it that way. And one of the reasons I'm telling this war story is I find that's really common. It's an absolute default position for most candidates that they think that it's the wrong thing to do to go to an interview and then not accept the job. And I think my final comment about this war story is, and this is something my husband's taught me, before going to a meeting with a possible client, if they'd alluded to the fact that it was maybe work outside of my normal scope, I'd say to Phil, well, what's the point of going to that meeting? I don't do that sort of work. It's just a waste of time. And he would always say to me, just listen to what they have to say. And that's what I'd say to any job candidate. 
go to the interview, unless it's situation one where the whole job would be doing something that you don't like, go to the interview, just listen to what they have to say, and then make up your mind. going to end with a quote. It's one from Steve Jobs. And the quote is, the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Don't settle. I'm going to slightly disagree with Steve Jobs. Now, I love my work. I get immense satisfaction from it. But do I wake up every day and say, hooray, can't wait to go to work today? No, I don't. The reason I know I'm in the right job and I love what I do, apart from just inherently knowing it, is when I look at the alternative of not working, I'd rather do what I do than not work. So yes, identify your key drivers. That's what Steve's talking about. He's talking about really trying to identify the ideal world. But then sometimes cold, hard reality comes in. And what I try to do with my clients is to squash cold, hard reality as close as possible to the ideal world so that there's either no mismatch or just the slightest of mismatches. There are other reasons for working. Some people work for their family. And if you're working for your family, then it's possible you're going to be in a job where there isn't fantastic job satisfaction. The issue here to think about is to not stay in a job where you're unhappy. I quite like the term contentment. I think it would be a minimum if you find contentment in your job, in your workplace, with your workmates. What you don't want to do is what so many people do, is if we looked at the bell curve of career satisfaction, so obviously the left-hand side of the bell curve is you're in the job, you're really excited, you're learning new things, you've got a lot of energy. The top of the bell curve is when you're still happy, but things are starting to be a bit cruisy. It's all perhaps starting to get a little bit boring. And then, of course, the downside is when you are not happy at work. And some people don't have a perfectly shaped bell curve the right-hand side of the bell curve goes on and on and on forever. So the theory of career satisfaction is, if possible, you start looking for your next job, which, of course, may be internal. doesn't mean you necessarily leave the organisation. You start looking for your next job when you are at the top of the bell curve. If you do that, you live your entire working life on the positive side of the bell curve not the negative side of the bell curve. To me, that's a wonderful way of living your life. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you like what you've heard, I'd love it if you could share it or perhaps leave a review. At this stage, the next podcast will return back to our stock standard podcast, and I'm going to talk about how to reinvent yourself if you're having a midlife career crisis. Remember, if you want to review what we've talked about, I've got show notes on the website, careerconsult.com dot com dot au and I also do a fortnightly mail out so once a fortnight it's either a blog an infographic a video or a podcast as always let's finish with the hashtag hashtag why not be happy at work <laughs>